0: Good evening everybody and welcome to the show. Merry Christmas and I do, you know, from uh uh you know, people believe all kinds of things. I'm an atheist so I don't believe in Christ, I don't believe in religion, I don't believe in any of this stuff, but I do like Christmas and I'll talk a little bit about what it what it what it what it does mean to me and what it doesn't. And I had a uh the uh the, the battles that I have with seafood. You know, I've, I've, I've been some of the most popular some of the most popular stories that I've ever uh, done on uh, ClickBank. So I got a new one. I haven't uh, haven't bought lobster in a while, but I did. Well, I haven't really bought any live seafood in a while, but I did just recently. And I'd like to share the story I have of the, and this is completely true. Every every inch of the story is true. There's an extremely interesting both buying and um, cooking experience I had with this lobster. So like I said, I, oh, and uh, for the rest of the show, I got a roundup of, uh, just some odd news stories from around the world. So, uh, fun show. If You're traveling this, uh, this holiday weekend. This should be, uh, this should be good in the car or on the iPhone for wherever you're going. Safe travels. Okay. So anyway, like I said, probably last time I bought uh lobster was in, I don't know, August or September, probably September. And, um, I'm very miserly when it comes to buying live stuff. Cause you know, it's market price and all that. So, you know all the you know when I when I get the itch and I'm like oh, maybe I get some lobster maybe get some seafood I always go I, I look up and I see the market value now it's interesting with with lobster the market the marketplace has changed radically in just two years um, in two years the amount of lobster that China buys has skyrocketed I mean it's like a, a night and day from a, something that. Chinese people, mainland Chinese people ate really not at all to something that overnight, you know, two years really is overnight has become like a sensation. You know, people just need to have it. You know, if you can afford it in lobster, that's what you get, um, particularly around this time of year. So like the, it's just gone through the roof and that has really affected the worldwide pricing. And uh, I think this, this late, you know, it's, it's particular, it's warm across America, but particularly in the Northeast, it's very warm. Now that, um, increases the supply of the lobster, but the Chinese have also, you know, come up with the demand. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but I follow these prices and they're, they're up a little bit for this time of year. So I was hoping maybe they go down, but they hadn't. And, you know, this week I was just like, ah, fuck it. Let, let. You know, I asked the, a friend of mine, he's a chef at a fancy, uh, fancy restaurant in New York. And I'm like, well, what do you buy it for? You know, what's your price? Because I want to, you know, that's a good barometer is what, what's going to be on the street. So I don't have to go to Chinatown just to see what it is. It's not like these places have websites, you know, they don't even speak English. So you got to go there. And if it's too expensive, then, you know, you just wasted a subway fare. So I'm like, all right, let me ask. And he said he was paying like $9 a pound for, you know, a, a pound and a half pound and three quarter lobster. So I figured, you know, that's high because I, in the summer I was buying lobster for eight ninety nine a pound, um, at the market. So I said, well, if he's paying nine, you know, it's gotta be, you know, minimum 10, 11, maybe more for me. So I said, I'm not going to go all the way to Chinatown, but I do have a, an Asian supermarket. It's not a bodega. It's a little bit, it's, it's a, it's a proper supermarket, at least in, uh, from Manhattan Standards. And they I they have a lobster tank there. I have never bought the lobster from there before because I noticed that their lobster was always like a dollar a pound more than going to Chinatown. Now, if I was smart and I did the math, um, which I'm realizing now, I would realize that in yeah, sure, it's a dollar more, but, you know, to get there and back, I got to spend, you know, 260 on the uh, 250 for the subway, so what am I really I'm not saving anything by going to Chinatown. But I figured, I don't know, I figured, who knows, they're a little fresh or whatever it is. I don't know. I, I don't think I'll be doing that anymore because this this place had a really, really good lobster, which you'll, you'll hear all about them in a minute. Um, So I said, fuck it, I'm here, I'm in the place. I look up the price for their lobster because I've been in there before and looked at their price, just never bought, but I I, I look, it's, it's $9.99 a pound. That's exactly what it was over the summer. So how is it that this place hasn't changed their price i know the mar. i know the the market value has r- risen so i just said well fuck it you know let me just i'm i'm here i got some other shopping to do anyway so i can get some you know some groceries and also get some you know a live lobster so i said fuck it let's do it so the first challenge was i only buy male lobsters and the reason is is that despite the fact that i really want a lot i, I really do want to like Lobster caviar, the uh, the eggs that are uh, very commonly inside a female lobster. I don't like it. I love caviar from any other fish I've ever tried or any, any other animal I've ever tried. But lobster, I just don't like it. So buying female lobster makes no sense for me because, well, two reasons. One, I got to scoop the stuff out and throw it away. And two, it's just something that that lobster's body is doing besides... You know, like on a male lobster, all these he's eaten to to make them, you know, big and strong and have, you know, you know, big muscles, lots of which lots of meat, right? I don't need this female lobster devoting her precious resources to making eggs when I'm not going to eat them. I'd rather all of the energy go into making more meat. So it's an easy decision. Some people say female lobsters are sweeter. Yeah, I challenge you to take a, a blind taste test and be able to tell it's male from the female. They're both delicious. You know, I can't tell any difference. So so I always buy male, male lobster. Um, so the first challenge when I went to the, to the place, like I said, these people don't speak any English. Um, so, you know, the, the cashiers speak, um, enough broken English. Uh, you can communicate with them. Uh, anyone else who works there, the butcher, the the guys who stock the shelves. I mean, if you don't have a picture, you know, you're just not finding what you're looking for. So it was no different. With the guy who works behind the seafood counter, and they do have a very nice seafood counter. They have, you know, lots of fish. Um, they have blue crabs, and those don't really freak me out like the dungeons. But they're so small, so I, I've never gotten those. You know, you, you know, for those, you, you, I'd have to, I'd have to eat fifteen of them. You know, and that seems like a, that seems like something bad could happen, <laughs> just because I don't know. <laughs> <It's> just. I, <laughs> One on one, I'm okay. One on fifteen. That's that's no good. But I've gotten the shrimp there and I get the the king crab's like King crab's legs, those are just the best. Or the snow crab legs. Those are the best because well, it's not as good as lobster, but it is really, really easy. I mean, you just You gotta understand, those are all caught in Alaska, right? As soon as they catch the snow crabs or the king crabs—they're the the two words are used interchangeably. I think I think the king crabs are like the ones that you don't see them very often. But the, I think the king crabs are the ones where their claws are literally the size of like a female adult's, like a human female adult's forearm. I mean, these are massive, like like an an arm is like a meal, you know. But those you don't see too often. So I think these are these are like the skinnier ones, where basically you get a you know, you get a cluster at the top, which has got a lot of meat in it. Then you get four legs and one leg with a with a claw. So that's like a that's like a cluster that you get. And that's also like nine bucks a pound. And those are great because when they catch those in Alaska, they immediately cook them on the boat and then immediately freeze them on the boat. Uh there is no such thing as buying fresh, you know, just caught. Snow crabs or live snow crabs. I mean, well, that would be a logistical nightmare because those things are massive. I I, I can't imagine what you got to do with those. And then you got to butcher them when you come on. So forget it. Unless you live in Alaska, you're not getting, you know, live or or fresh snow crabs. You're getting frozen on the boat. But it's okay because it's done immediately. Cooked immediately, frozen immediately on the boat. And then, you know, they ship them all over the world. It's the same thing every time. You know, it's like McDonald's. You know, it doesn't matter where you go in McDonald's. It's the same product. So same goes Uh, you know, for, for snow crab legs. So I like those, I got some of those too, but anyway, so I go to the guy to get the lobster, right? Now I have to get him, I have to order a male lobster. So I say, male lobster, please. And he says, oh, lobster. Yes. I said "A, a male lobster and he's not getting it. So the, the girl who's normally right at the cashier, which is right next to the seafood desk, she wasn't there. She was like, they have a it's weird she was on the other side. she was busy, so i'm I'm stuck trying to how do i how do I tell this guy I want a male lobster, so I'm just thinking i'm I didn't have a pen or paper, I would have drawn like a you know like the i I don't know if the Chinese recognize, but you know the male symbol, which is the circle with the arrow in the upper right hand corner, and then the female symbol is the circle with the inverted cross underneath it. I didn't have pen and paper, so I'm just like. Hmm. I say um, male lobster, so this is what I do. <laughs> so I say male lobster, and then I take my left hand, and I make a circle. And then I take my right hand, and I extend my index finger. And then I start to push my right index finger into the left hole that I have made with, with my with my left hand and I'm just pushing it in and out and I go like this and he's like looking at me kind of weird and then I take the two hands and I separate them and I put on the put them up in the air the one finger in the air I say male and then in the left hand I put the thing up I say female and then I put them back together go boom 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 I say, male. And I put up my finger. And he says, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he takes his fucking hand. He takes his finger. He starts doing the same thing. Oh, boop, 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 boop. And then he, then he takes his fucking his hand and he puts it down by his pants. Like right where his penis is. He says, A male. I said, yeah, dude, yeah. And he's fucking laughing. <laughs> so that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you say that to the wrong person, you get your ass kicked. But this guy, he loved it. So anyway, he goes up. Now he knows. Clearly he understands. And he starts going, picking uh, lobsters out of the tank, holding it up. He's clearly checking for sex. Put, puts back the first two. And then the third one he takes out, he lo- He takes it out and looks at it, and the thing starts just fucking thrashing its tail. Just like, wham, wham, wham. Just like fucking thrashing it everywhere. I'm like, whoa! That's an angry one. And he, lo- and he looks, he says, male. I said, yes, good. And I noticed that not only was this thing thrashing like a motherfucker, I noticed that, you know, normally their claws have rubber bands around them. This one had no rubber bands on either of his claws. And I'm just like, you know, for me, that's a positive. You know, I don't want to get, I don't want to get pinced or anything, but um, I'm like, this guy's probably like the fucking king of this, uh, this tank here. He's clearly aggressive. And he's got no things on his pincer. He probably just goes around because lobsters are nasty. I mean, lobster, male lobsters are fiercely, fiercely um, uh, territorial. Um, and basically, the way that females get mates, they they just pick the male who's who's fucked up all the other uh, all the other males and has like the best house, you know, and you know, underwater, of course. So this guy's probably, he's probably been in there fucking up. He's probably been fucking females left and right. Who knows what he's been up to, but he's, he's doing whatever he wants in that tank, but that ends today. So anyway, first I'm thinking, how the hell is this guy going to get him in the bag? But he got him in pretty good. He got him in the bag pretty easily actually. And so that's, that's in a paper bag, right? And then he rolls that up and then just a shopping bag, which he ties on top of it and then hands it to me. So, okay. And, um, you know, he handed it to me, and it wasn't. didn't feel like it was moving around a lot in the bag or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, uh, time to complete my purchases and go home and boil some water. So that's what I did. Now, because this lobster was so vicious and so aggressive, just immediately, just from getting taken out of the tank, I've never seen a lobster thrash that hard. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this guy in the freezer. Um, It was only, I know it was only going to be, you know, to get everything together, it's 20 minutes, half hour at the most. Well, actually, it takes it a takes the, so the half hour. I'm like, if he sits in there for a half hour, I know because I read things on the internet that if you put the lobster in the fridge or better yet, the freezer, as long as it's not going to be too long, it calms them down, makes them docile. So I did that. Okay. So then I get my pot out. I have a pretty simple preparation. One bay leaf. One lemon squoze and salt. And then I have these boil bags, which are basically uh, it's like a, you know, three by four inch by, you know, maybe an inch, half an inch high at the most. It's just a bag of seasonings, which is in some sort of a perforated cloth. It's not quite a cheesecloth, but it's some sort of cloth around it. So when you drop that into the water and boil it, the flavors which is you know there's black pepper and cayenne and uh, all a bunch of bunch of stuff i think there's some there's you know spices that are good for seafood it's just a really easy way you just take a boil bag put it in the water and it saves you from messing around with the with a hundred different ingredients you know so i got i got the boil bag i got a lemon i got salt i got a bay leaf that's pretty much what i do okay so i put it in my big pot um you know fill it up like 3 quarters away it's you know that's a lot of water so it takes a, it takes a while to boil and then once the water is boiling i let it boil for another 5 minutes after it's already at a raging boil so i get as much of the flavor from my ingredients into the water and then when that's done it's time to add the lobster okay so i go to the freezer take out the bag and i put it on my kitchen counter carefully open the top and carefully, you know, unroll the, um, the paper bag that he's in. And by the way, this lobster was exactly 1.75 pounds. That's my favorite size for a lobster because while they do taste a little bit better at one and a quarter, it's never enough to satisfy me. So I want to get at least a pound and a half to pound and three quarters, anywhere in that range. I'm fine because I eat it and I'm satisfied and it's delicious. Anything over 175 is is dumb. If you're going to get, you know, if you're going to get that, you know, get two pound and a quarters, I would say, you know, but anyway, so I do that. I peel, I peel back, I roll back the, the, the paper and I look in and there he is. He's looking at me now. The position he was in, in the back, he was basically on his back, which is a little bit awkward. You don't want to grab these things by the underside of the belly. You want to grab them by the back. So I'm like, okay, he's in an awkward position here. I got to figure out a way. So I say, probably the easiest way for me to do this is just to set it down and kind of roll him over, and then just rip the um. Rip the bag back until I have access to his back. Now keep in mind, I have to, I really do have to be careful here, because this lobster has no rubber bands on his pincers or on his claws, whatever you call them, right? Now, those things, those things can crush, you know, can crush a muscle. Your finger, you get, if they get a hold of your finger, you know, you know, say hello to some very expensive surgery because they're going to crush the fuck out of whatever they get on. it. The the, the power that they have in those claws is unbelievable. So you really have to be careful that, you know, this is now, this is a little different than, and I'll explain, you know, if you guys remember from the summer when i bought that dungeness crab that crab was of no you know they that crab had the 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 things on the and their claws aren't even that dangerous but you know he had rubber bands on them and everything and i just got freaked out i just ha- I, I have some sort of phobia of dungeness crab which now i know but i don't have any phobia of lobsters they don't freak me out i don't i don't mind them at all any other lobster I bought home there there's never been a problem but this guy and i should have known this guy was a problem. Now, so I rip back the thing so I have access to his back. And at, and, and at this point, he's in the bag and his tail is like curled down underneath him, you know. So I'm like, all right, this isn't going to be a big deal here. I'm just, so I grab, now I have access to his back. I grab him by the back and I lift and uh, then I notice one of his claws he has grabbed on i guess he did this in the freezer on the walk home i don't even know he's grabbed on to the brown paper bag with one of his claws so i said oh so now i i like i can't separate him from the bag he's got a big chunk of the of the paper bag in his in his in his claw i think it was the uh i think it was the crusher claw actually so i said okay well how am i going to get this out so uh, i'm i'm sitting him down here on the on the kitchen counter and I'm just in in my right hand, I'm holding his back. Now he's not moving or anything at this point. And in my left hand, I'm trying to just, you know, rip the paper bag out of his, his crusher claw and he's just not letting go. So I don't know what to do at this point. So I said, maybe if I just, if I, uh, if I just pick him up, you know, once I drop him in the law in the water, you know, they just, now they're in, you know, they're in, I don't know, survival mode or whatever. He's going to release it. You know, he's he's going to release it at that point. And then even if there's a little couple pieces, pieces of paper, paper bag in the water, whatever, I'll fish them out with the tongs. It's no big deal. A couple pieces, you know, a little, little chunk of brown paper bag, you know, it's not going to kill you. So I said, all right, that's what I'll do. Now, when I pick him up and I start to bring him over to the boiling water, he just out of nowhere starts to fucking thrash his tail. So picture this, picture the uh, picture a lobster with the tail closest to you and then the head and the claws on the other side. You know, that's the safest way to pick him up. So I pick him up from basically from behind. So his, his head is facing the other way. But when I pick him up and I bring him over, now he starts thrashing his tail. So the first thrash, he thrashes the tail, smacks me in the forearm, You know, startles me, obviously. And then immediately does it again. Whap and boom. He's free. He's on the loose on the floor now. I drop him on the floor. I'm like, holy shit. And on the floor. Now he's not really, he's not walking around, but he's got those arms up. He's got both of those arms up in the air with the pincers open wide. And he's just like, he's moving. He's moving those arms like Conor McGregor. You know how McGregor, when he's fighting, he use he has this wingspan that's it's like I don't know it's probably like the, the guy's 5'8". he's probably got six feet on his on his uh on his arms and he uses all that space around his body. This lobster was like Conor McGregor he's like he's like doing like fucking drunken Chinese kung fu like with his arms you know he's doing some 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 maneuvers so he's there on the floor and I'm just like oh now this was different. Then the dungeness crab. The dungeness crab, I was just scared like a little bitch for really no good reason. This crab posed no credible threat to me. Yet I had some huge issues with picking him up and putting him in the in the boiling water and it was it was just a complete disaster. This was different. I wasn't scared of the lobster, but I knew I now had to battle him. So, what I did, and you should have seen, I dropped the lobster on the floor, and I probably made a sound. So naturally, you know, my cats are there. I go to get two tongs. I got, I got one pair of tongs that's like real long, which is good for using on the barbecue. Then I got a short tong, short tongs, which is, uh, you know, whatever. Now the difference is the long tongs gives you a long reach, but you don't have much power. The short tongs don't give you reach, but you have a lot more, um, a lot more force you can apply with them. Okay. So I go when I go to get the tongs, I see my cats, and they are just like, they're looking at this lobster. Because I have brought home other lobsters, and I just, you know, they, they were so docile. I put them on the floor just to see if my, you know, obviously these had the rubber bands around the pincers. So I know my cats wouldn't be in any danger or anything. So I just put them on the floor, but the, the lobsters never really moved around or anything. They were just kind of like sitting there. And my cats would kind of look at them, and they weren't interested. But this one, with those fucking arms all over the place, they just they were just, had to fucking beat on him. They're just like staring at him. Like full attention, just like staring at him. Like So I'm like, all right, I can't let, I, I gotta do this fairly quickly. I, I can't get let them get too curious because then they'll walk over. So I go right to work. I said, all right, motherfucker, here we go. So I get the first, I get the first tong, which is the long, but the, the tong with less pressure that you can apply. I kind of get that, In front of him. So I kind of clasp the front of his body with that. And then. The short tongue. Which I have in my right hand. Which is my dominant hand. I grasp him right where the tail. Meets the. uh, Meets like the head. Or the the, the front of the body. Right. Because that way I figure. If I just grab it where the two meet. If this motherfucker starts to thrash again. The position of that tongue. You know, wouldn't be too affected by the thrashing. So I grab the the front of him, and he starts to go crazy with those arms. Very smart to use the the the, the things, because he was he was trying to get me. Then I use the back, and I grab the tail right where it meets the thorax or the the, the front, and I pick him up with the two tongs, and he's thrashing, but this time I expected it, so I'm keeping like a rock. And now I got the address. I'm in you know I'm actually in a little bit of danger here. You know, not a lot, but you know, this is as close to hunting as I'm going to get while I'm inside my kitchen. So I got a nice little adrenaline kick going here. This is this is This is exciting for me. So I finally get him and I get him up and he's thrashing the whole way and I get him to the pot and I just dump them head first in the boiling water. And before you know, I, now I got, I got two tongs in my hand, so I got to set those down to get the cover. Now, in between the time where I put the tongs, I, I get them in there. And immediately before the tongs are even out of my hands, he starts thrashing that fucking tail. Boiling water starts flying out. I'm getting hit with boiling water on my arms and, you know, would have been on my body, but I was wearing a shirt. But you know my arms are get, you know it wasn't I'm not saying I got hurt that much but you know that stings a little bit you get boiling water thrown on you it's not fun I'm just like fuck man and I go and I get, and he's thrashing in there I get the I get the cover to the pot and boom oh no that's not what happened either there was something else when I'm go, once I get the 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 pot the 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 top for the pot the cover I try to put it down but he 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 extends his arm. This guy was a fighter, man. You gotta give it to this lobster. He was a fucking fighter. He gets one of his arms, he gets the pincer claw, and he sticks it outside so I can't shut the fucking thing. So now I gotta put my right hand on the thing to hold that, then I gotta get my left hand to get one of the tongs again, transfer from left to right, and then I'm like, I'm lifting up the cover a little bit and smacking his claw, and goddamn this motherfucker's strong. He's at this point. He's been submerged in boiling water for about seven seconds, and he's still got to fight in them. I give it to this guy. And that, but finally, I start smacking his his uh his uh his pincer with the tongs, and it goes to the point where I can get the cover on, and boom, I just got the cover on, you know. And okay, I'm like fine. Now they say, you know, it only takes about ten seconds until these things are dead once you put them in the boiling water. So after about ten seconds, I. I peek open. Oh, and he's still moving around. Oh, I shut that fucking quick. He's still moving around. He's still doing shit in there. What a fighter. I'm going to name him Connor. Yeah. Fucking badass, man. So I just I just kind of s- s- sat there with my hand on the thing just in case, because who knows what this fucking guy I sat there with my hand on top of the thing for another 20 seconds, opened it up, and finally it wasn't moving anymore. Fine. Um, other than that, it was my normal cooking procedure. Pound and three quarters, I let them go for about 11 minutes and take a look at them. If they're good, I, I usually take an antenna and pop it out. If it pops out fairly easily, that usually for me means it's done. But I just want to make sure, you know, it's got a, a, a consistent bright red color across the uh, the whole lobster. So pound and three quarters, that's about 11 minutes, um, maybe 12. Um, but what I do is, um, as soon as the lobster's in, at that point I go and I put, I go up and there's a pizza place, um, right on the, uh, fairly, fairly near me on the corner. Um, if you're in New York and you like a thin square slice, this is pretty good. Kevin actually, um, last time he was in New York, I took him to Rizzo's on, a drizzers on uh clinton street so i took him there and he loved it he loved the pies i take him to another place and he wasn't so impressed so you know people really like this pizza for me um it is good i probably have that pizza once a month because i don't know i don't really like a it's a very specific kind of pizza it's a very thin square slice and it's good but it's just not a daily pizza for me. I like Sicilian, or I like a, a, a triangle s- traditional slice. This is not a traditional slice. This is very, very thin, very, very crispy. Um, anyway, I don't know why I'm even... Th- I go there not to buy pizza. I got a lobster cooking. I go there because they got garlic knots, three for a dollar. So I take, you know, I, I go there, I order the garlic knots. They put them in the tin foil for me, so I take them home. And I have those garlic knots because... Um, you know, the way I eat the lobster, the last thing, my favorite thing in the lobster that I save for last is um, it's the heptatopancreas, which if you ever crack open the head of a lobster is all that green gook. It, it kind of looks like guacamole, but it's really an organ that most uh, crustaceans have. That is, uh, if you were to compare it to the human body, it would be a, a common, it's it's one organ that accomplishes the functions of the liver and the pancreas would in a human okay it looks gross but it's fucking delicious and the bet you know you can just eat it straight but the best for me the best thing to do is with some garlic bread so these garlic knots are perfect because they're heavily seasoned still warm and um i just break them apart and then i just scoop up the uh I think people, what do they they call it? Mustard on a crab. What do they, oh, I think they call it the tamale in a lobster, but I just call it by what it is. It's the heptatopancreas. Okay. So that's like, for me, a self contained dessert inside the lobster. So, okay. So I go, nothing else, nothing else too different. Um, You know what else I do? I don't know if I talked about this in the past. This is really a great way to eat lobster because it takes, if you really want to eat a lobster and get, all of the meat out of it i don't leave any i don't leave anything edible behind you know i don't eat the eyes i don't eat the brain but i eat all the meat and obviously you can't eat the lungs you'll get sick if you eat the lungs so i eat everything including the hepatopancreas. pancreas and it takes a while to get through it so the problem is you know the first thing i do is i take off all the the legs the little walking legs there now you know and you, you know the, there's not much meat in there but it's very sweet and it's good and it's fun to eat but the problem is, like, if you take time to get all the little bits of meat, and that's what I like to do. I take the the part, the 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 walking legs, then I go to the fins on the back, you know, and those are like those are like little crackers. You snap off those fins. You just kind of like, you know, put them in your mouth and pop them. Give them a suck on a little bit. And you get a little, little piece of meat. Anyway, all these little pieces of meat, they take time, and while you're eating all these little bits, the the tail and the arms and the knuckles—all that stuff—is getting cold. So what I do is, okay. So here's my setup. I have a bucket, you know, like a five-gallon bucket, same that you'd use for whatever, you know, the, your standard American five-gallon bucket. Now that's what I put next to my table for primarily for just the, uh, you know, all the the, the not the bones, the the, the the skeleton, you know, all the shit you can't you can't eat once you crack it. Up. I I put that in there so that I can just, you know, I can't put it in my regular garbage because the cats will get in it. So I I have a a dedicated um, lobster or or seafood refuse bucket, which will be uh, emptied immediately after I'm done eating. So I set that there. Now, then what I do is I take, I have a small, it's almost like if you were to have a wok with a flat bottom, I have one of those. So what I do is I have a, like one of those uh, things that you would put on the bottom to steam food. And I, and I do very commonly use that to steam seafood and vegetables and whatever else. So I put that on the bottom and then I add the boiling, you know, the what was recently boiling water. I add that to it. So it's just about, you know, at the at, right underneath the, uh, the steamer portion that you put in there. And that wok has a handle on one side. And a handle on the other side. It's got like the long handle that you normally see on a pot on the one side. And then like kind of like a handle thing on the other side. So when I put that on top of my seafood refuse bucket, it sits perfectly on top. So this is great because now it just saves space. And I have something so that now when I've, like the first thing I do is I rip off all the legs, right? Then I put them onto my plate. Then I can take the lobster, put it back onto this 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 pot this wok style pot with boiling water in there and then I put the cover on top so my lobster is kept completely warm the entire time even though I'm fucking around with the little the little bits the big parts are being kept very warm and moisturized as well so um yeah that's how I eat a lobster so I go through all the all the parts you know the rest of the the rest of it was fine there's really Nothing to report with the rest of it, but I'll tell you what. It was very satisfying. You know, I'm glad Connor put up such a fight because you know, that little kick of adrenaline, you get? When that's gone, man, you're hungry. That makes you hungry. It was fun. I enjoyed it, and I salute this 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 brave lobster, this this vicious this vicious fighter. He deserves to be remembered. And that's why I talked about him today. Welcome to ClickBank. I so I got a, uh, yes, going down. uh, it's a Blaine. I see. I, I glanced up at the chat while the intro music was playing and I saw Blaine uh, LeBlanc mention that he likes to suck the heads out of crawfish. I'm with you, buddy. Um, I take it kind of like a step further, but what, what you're doing, the reason why people like to suck the heads out of crawfish is because just like the lobster, the crawfish has a heptatopancreas and it is located in the head region, just like the lobster. That wonderful flavor you get when you suck the head out of a crawfish is the heptatopancreas. Now, Blaine, my recommendation to you is you if you just suck the head out of a crawfish, you're likely leaving some of the heptatopancreas behind. What I recommend that you do is after you, you know, you get the tail and you do whatever you do with the tail what you can do is you take that that head of the crawfish if you take if you take your if you hold it upside down in one hand and then take your finger and lift up where his where the mouth area which way do you do it no 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 you do the back end if you lift lift up the back end it almost has a hinge where the front you know where 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 it's connected at the at the front where the mouth is and if you just take that up now you can inspect the inside of the crawfish so if there is any hepatopancreas in the top in 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 the, in the portion that's got you know the head and the lungs and the guts you can see it and just kind of scoop it out with your finger and then the the top half which is you know just basically the top with no guts or anything in it will definitely have some green hepatopancreas then you can just scoop it all up with your finger so that ensures that you get the maximum amount um actually I don't scoop I take that back I don't scoop it with my finger if there is some hepatopancreas in the top part I will suck it out because there are some other flavors in there. But now I'm 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 a hundred percent to get all of it. Okay. It takes a little bit longer than just by putting the thing in your mouth and sucking the head. But yeah. Okay. So listen, everybody, Merry Christmas. Uh last year I took the opportunity when it was just right around Christmas time to talk about the history of Christmas and you know, it's not a it's not a pleasant history. It's not it's not a particularly uh, friendly holiday for the vast majority of his, its existence. But hey, it's 2015. I like Christmas. I do. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of the shit. I don't be, I don't believe in religion in general. I don't. I think it's the biggest threat to the survival of the human race. But I like Christmas because at this point, it's just be uh, you know, it's become so. It's just a buying holiday at this point. it's not it's it's really not a religious holiday. I mean it is for some people sure but it's not for others. I grew up with Christmas and I loved it. It was here's here's now I've got a, a Jewish mother raised very very uh, very uh, I don't know if you'd say conservative but listen they kept, my grandma kept kosher plates, kosher home. The whole thing. My mother was kosher, you know, for all the way through when she was 18. My father was raised very Catholic. Um, His mother was a devout, devout Roman Catholic. Uh, Grandfather wanted nothing to do with any of it. Uh, But still uh, a Jewish home and a Catholic home. Very much so. Uh, We would uh, go to my father's parents' house for Christmas time because uh, my mother's Jewish mother lived very close could visit her anytime he wanted, whereas my father's parents lived first in uh, Pennsylvania in the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton area later on uh, in Maryland. So, you know, obviously not as much opportunity to visit them as a family. So Christmas time and Thanksgiving were, we were always there. So when I, lo- when, when I was a kid, I didn't, e- even when I was really little, I I always knew, from the second that anyone brought up religion, and I'm—I've got memories from, you know, age seven getting picked on a little bit, seven eight years old getting picked on a little bit at school because I said I don't believe in God. It's obviously, a, it's a story; it's not true. I even remember back then, you know, saying that and you know getting picked on a little. It wasn't a big deal. I never got beat up over it, but now I remember, you know, there was a little this and that. I always, but it didn't matter, you know. When I went to see my, to see my grandparents, you know. My grandmother was, like I said, as devout as a Roman Catholic as you could be without being a nun. She wanted to be a nun, and her mother said, no way, you already got two sisters who are nuns. You go, you get married, have babies, and 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 so she did. But, you know, she's as religious as you could have been without being a nun, but, you know, she never, I don't remember a single time where during, it was never uh It was never brought up. It was never pushed on us. It was never, you know, she said, I I think I remember her saying, you know, as a prayer to her. I don't even remember that. I'm pretty sure she did say a prayer, but it was to herself. It wasn't like those, you know, like a whole, you know, everybody, you know, put your hands together and, you know, thank God for the food. No, I think she just kind of said it to herself. She, religion was obviously very important to her, but it was something she it was a private thing for her you know which is kind of weird to somebody for somebody who was about to be but that's the way she did it she never really pushed it on any of us i mean it was there were three kids me and i had two cousins uh one 2 years older than me one 4 years older than me uh there was never a thing you know but let me tell you this christmas tree that she made it was really just a work of art i think it took them between my grandmother and my grandfather. I think it took them two weeks to put this Christmas tree together. Now, the top of it is just, it's a tree. You know, there's almost only so much you could do with the with the top. You know, obviously, very nice decorations, nice star, you know, little things, you know, pictures of the family inside, little things. Very nice, very, very nice. That couldn't have taken more than, you know, the better part of a, a day for them to, to set it up. It was underneath the tree that was just a, uh, I'll describe it to you, I, I I can't describe it in enough detail for you to appreciate the amount of time and effort that my grandmother put into this. First of all, there was the whole thing, you know, laying down cotton, so there's snow everywhere. There was a, a road which she made out of little strips of uh, black, I guess it was like a black, uh, I don't know if it was a, a fine grit sandpaper, or maybe it was a a very heavy-duty cardboard or something, but it looked just like a road that went around the whole thing. And there were little cars on it. So, you know, you could push the cars along and there were there were places you could pull off the cars. And inside, there were ice skating rinks that she made. She would take a, a, a mirror, you know, and put like a, you know, like a rail around it or whatever. It looked just like an ice skating rink, you know. It was just a mirror. And she had little figurines that were ice skaters and you could move them around on the mirror and play with them. Of course, there was a baby Jesus scene in it. That was fine. It was really kind of nice looking, actually. Um, just all over, and I'm talking about a good six-foot diameter from one end of it to the other. It wasn't a complete circle because the, the tree was in the corner, but you had the better part of it. So there was all this stuff under the, under the tree to play with. And I would sit under that tree. I could sit there and play with the tr- with all these things under the tree for three, four hours at a clip, and not get bored. Just all this, all this. It was just wonderful. I loved it. I loved that tree so much. It was, it was, it was fantastic. How they did it, because I mean, we're talking about senior citizens here, at the time. The, the amount of effort they put into to make this, and really, I was. I mean, I think everyone appreciated it, but I was really the only one you know, everyone would look at it and it was nice, but I would, I would, I'd play with this, 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 this wonderland, this, this environment, this whole imaginary world that my grandmother created under the tree. I could play with it and sit there for hours. It was just wonderful. It was really, just really, really nice. And of course it's nice to be close to the presents, you know? Yeah. Christmas was, it was wonderful. I I loved it. And you know, today, like I said, I'm not, I don't believe in anything, but I, always, you know, I wish everyone a Merry Christmas. I do. Um you know, because honestly, if I get the wrong religion, I don't really give a fuck. And when someone says Merry Christmas to me, I like it. Eh. So maybe I'm a maybe I'm a Christmas a, a Christian sympathizer for one month out of the year. <laughs> I don't know. I just love it. I I love the holidays. I love the, the you know, everyone's, you know, they're taking time off. They're going to see their family. It's a good time. It's, it's you know, it's mostly a, 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 a time where people are just a little bit happier. I like it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, the, moving on from, uh, just real quick, I want to mention, you know, talking about um, the lobster, Connor the lobster, and I named him after Connor McGregor. Uh, unless you're living under a rock. You know, he's got the belt now. He Defeated Aldo in um, 13 or 14, I think it was 13 seconds. Um, I just want to talk about, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the UFC. You heard it here first. Now you hear all this posturing from McGregor. This guy is really smart. Listen, he's a great fighter, but is he that much better than the other people to receive the kind of media, the just the constant twenty-four hour cycle of of, uh, of media for his fights? No, he's not that much better. He's just that much better at promoting himself at marketing. He's he's the best. He's the best, and he has an interesting and different style, which is nice. Um, but it's really you know that that promotion. I mean, let me put it to you this way. He got one guy, you know, just in the last fight, but, you know, which obviously McGregor won, but it was, you know, it, it whatever. Imagine if Aldo won, right? Now, for the next fight, whoever it's going to be, you got this guy. He doesn't speak English. He doesn't really get emotional over anything. He's just, he's kind of like a stick in the mud. Not saying anything bad about the guy. Fucking phenomenal fighter to, to be undefeated for a decade, you know, and have that belt and, you know, Great, but like you know, no, nobody's looking for him for an interview. You know, nobody's looking to go interview the guy, and then there's some Brazilian guy, you know, translating it. You know, there's there's no value in it for promotion. There's just zero value. You know, the value is in him as a fighter, and that's where it begins and ends. Conor, I mean, you put a camera on him, you're going to get a show. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't even matter what the topic is. You 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 get him on camera, you have got ratings you got people who are going to click on that video you're going to get people to talk about it it's gonna, you know it's the he's the best thing ever for for that division but anyway so now what mcgregor is doing is he's got this whole rap going where he's going to hold two belts at once he's gonna he's gonna hold the uh, whoa fuck what is he is he the bantamweight now He's gonna he's gonna hold the bantamweight and the light heavyweight. If I made a mistake, I'm embarrassed and I'm sorry. Somebody correct me. But yeah, he wants to go up. He wants to go up to lightweight. Lightweight is what he wants to go up to. He he wants to go from 145 to 155. Now that's not a big issue for him. But the issue is he's saying all this stuff like I'm gonna hold on to this belt and fight in another division. Now that's to my knowledge never happened before in UFC. Again, if I'm wrong, someone. Correct me, but I don't think that's ever happened. That's a common thing for boxing. I don't think that has ever happened in UFC. And he's saying, Yeah, I'm going to hold both belts. Well, it's really not up to him. And I think this is really a brilliant plan for McGregor just to get his name that much more out there. Because here's the, the reality of it is, is that first of all, if he's saying, that after just beating out the ones that he's just gonna jump into light. I I don't think anyone believes he's jumping right into light. Listen, he won the belt. He's got to defend it at least once in that division against two. I don't know. A rematch would be nice. Will although be cleared by you know the next in the next three or four months. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, anyway, so. Um, th- that's first. But the idea of a fighter. Going, you know, would they let him do it if he bounced back and forth every other fight between the division? Yeah, probably. Is that a good idea for him as a fighter? I don't think so. I don't think any camp would really recommend because the the, the weight is so important. You know, like I said, right now he's doing 145. Now, for, for McGregor to make weight at 145 is one of the most difficult parts of his training. He has to cut a lot of weight to get down to 145, and then he probably puts on about 15 to 20 pounds in the 24 hours before the fight. So um, that works out well for him. When the weight cut goes well, uh, he's probably a few pounds heavier than the other fighters in that division because his cut was so extreme. That said, weight cuts are bad for you, and they're dangerous. If he were to go to 155, I mean, McGregor still walks around regularly at probably you know when he's not when he's not training he's probably at least 160 you know so he still has to cut weight but very little so now the most unpleasant and strenuous and taxing parts of his training now becomes a cakewalk to cut five pounds is nothing you know and then he can put on another and then he could put on 10 or 12 on top of that problem is is that the other guys who he's going to be fighting in lightweight are going to have 5 pounds on him that's not good that's not that's not easy to deal with so it's kind of, that's kind of a mixed bag but the, the the point the reason why I brought this all up is because the ufc he's going to he's a superstar and he has got the ability to pull huge audiences and he is going to leverage that he is going to try to do this thing Where he keeps both belts, occasionally fighting in one and then fighting a few in the other. Keep in mind, for lightweight, he doesn't just go into that division and get a shot. He's got to beat at least three, four guys before he gets a shot. One would think, right? So while he's doing, you know, three, four fights to get to the lightweight, you know, what's he gonna be doing in the one hundred forty five pound? What's he gonna be doing in the lighter weight class? He's you can't just sit there for a year and not fight him. They're not gonna let him keep the belt. So my point in all this, is that I don't think McGregor really intends to do what he's saying. He wants to create a controversy. Does he want to go up to the lightweight and win it? Absolutely. Will he do that? I don't know. He's going to try. He'll definitely try. But there's going to be this whole semi-fake fight between Conor McGregor and UFC, where UFC is going to say, we can't let you do this. And McGregor's going to say, I'm the best, and we're all going to do it. And it's going to create so much press for him. And it's going to be good for everybody. It's going to be good for the UFC. It's going to be good for ticket sales. It's going to be good for pay per view sales. But I'm just telling you now now you know that in six months, when you see this, you heard it here first. Go to your water cooler, tell people about it. They'll think you're smart. No, I'm serious. That's what's going to happen. It's a, This has already been engineered, and it's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, he's going to go up, but he's going to get so much press out of the, the this fake fight of trying to keep the other belt. It's going to be a the You wait and see. All right. Um, let's do a couple of weird stories. You might have seen. This is an interesting one. This one needs to be watched. There have been some recent stories. You know that uh, omnibus, that huge bill. They usually do this every year, every off election year. What they do is that they'll they'll be a bill about something, and then they will, you know, every congressman and senator attaches their own pet bills and projects to it. So it becomes this. They usually call it a Christmas bill. It's like it could be a bill about anything. It doesn't even matter, right? It, it, let's uh, let's make a bill about. I don't know public transportation, something on the federal, some, some, something, and then people just pile on and tons of other shit. We were trying the vapor industry was trying to get that you know something attached to that ourselves. Now we were unsuccessful, but we were trying to get this uh, grandfather date uh, thing put into that, and we were unsuccessful in doing it. And uh, but a lot of things were successful. One of the things that went in there that I never even knew about, it was this writer. That seems to, but really doesn't, but seems to have decriminalized medical marijuana at the federal level. As you all probably know, marijuana has been a Schedule I drug since 1937. Just no legitimate uses, including medical. Uh, and, you know, even in the past 10 years, these raids on medical marijuana dispensaries, despite Obama in in his campaign uh, saying that this practice was going to end, it didn't. And uh, it, it, recently, I think that it's died down quite a bit. But even for the for the first term of his administration, it was just brutal. Another one of his lies. But anyway, but now this thing is in the register, right? So it appears if you just read the article, it does appear that basically what it says is that, you know, all of these states now, there will be no resources from the DOJ that will be available to make any kind of arrest or, or, or any do any kind of legal action against the medical marijuana dispensary if it has been approved in that state, which basically means, like, if you are in a state with medical marijuana, the federal government cannot do anything cannot expend any resources money anything at all to get involved with that which is a de de facto legalization of marijuana of medical marijuana at the federal level so there's a there's a couple of weird things with this now they published the list of all the states plus the puerto rico and the district of columbia and if you just glance at it it looks like it's every state but it's not there's like nine or ten states that were not included in this kind of weird. Now, being realistic, uh, there's a reason why those nine states were not included, and that's probably because there's a lot of opposition to medical marijuana, and they they are not states that currently have medical marijuana, and it is not likely to be anytime soon, but worth noting that several states were excluded. Uh, Also excluded were the U.S. um, US Marshall Islands, Guam, and Um, eh. Marshall Islands, one and the U.S. Virgin Islands, yeah. So those were not in there, also, but nobody cares about that. But here's the weird thing: now, you know, all these problems that we are anticipated to have moving forward with the FDA regarding electronic cigarettes. You know, the interesting thing about medical marijuana. Medical marijuana never had to deal with that. they That was never a threat to them. In all this stuff that's going on with mar- medical marijuana in this country, three letters you never hear are FDA. And the reason why is that the FDA cannot regulate something that is illegal. It's illegal. They can't do anything about it. It's just against the law. So having any, you know, regulations are for things that are legal. Well, yes, tobacco is legal, but you can only do it this way or that way, and you can't have flavors and this and that, and we're going to be going through that with vaping very, very soon, really any any week now. Medical marijuana never had to worry about the FDA. I think they do now. Given that it is no longer illegal in 40 states, I think it gives an opportunity for the fda to actually have some say in what's going on here and that's not a good thing as i'm sure you all know for that industry um i don't know if that is the impetus behind this federal ban being lifted on you know you know it's 40 out of 50 states what it really equates to is 95 percent of the population is that why they did it i don't know uh i think it's a distinct possibility so people are celebrating this in a certain respect i say yeah, you know, any I'm in favor of the federal government not getting their mitts in as many things as possible, but this might be a Trojan horse here, really. This might be their way to get the FDA into that industry. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Mm. This is a bizarre one. This, This one just really, it just makes you think, who are these people? There is a uh, an esteemed professor at Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers is it Rutgers College or Rutgers University? I think it's Rutgers University in New Jersey. You know, pretty respected state school. Um, this professor had a student, and the student had a brother who had severe, severe disabilities, severe mental disabilities you know, a severe mental retardation, severe, uh, you know, he couldn't really move his arms or let you, it was, you know, a step above a vegetable, you know, and that's all, that's probably a bad word these days, but you know, it's he's, he didn't have to be plugged into a machine to live, but he was basically, he was one step away from that. He was in a wheelchair he could get around with assistance, but th- there was very little actual functioning going on with him as a human being. And, you know, this, uh, this professor, I guess, tried to, you know, said that she was trying to help the family. I don't know how they, I don't remember exactly how they first got in, in, uh, she was in the philosophy department. And I, I don't quite know how I, I, oh, he had CP, he had cerebral palsy, couldn't couldn't speak beyond making noises had to wear a diaper uh, could barely walk bathe dry, not, not, you know he just requires 24hour care okay so how do they get in contact in the beginning I don't even I don't even remember but the the, the, the family had a regular you know functioning you know regular person and uh, told the teacher about him and I think the teacher said you know I can help him in some way anyway wh- where it goes from there it gets pretty dark pretty quick. Basically, she started having a sexual relationship with this man who had the CP, and it's just fucking weird and 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 gross. And you know, she put out this she put out this whole defense where she would kind of take his hand and do this assisted thing where she would assist him in typing things and typing out that he consented to the sex. I don't i i. There is no evidence that suggests whatsoever that this man had any ability to understand what sex was. I mean, he was really that far gone, and despite the and beyond there being evidence that he would have even been able to understand what sex was, it is quite clear there is no way that he could have uh, elicited any kind of definitely. There is no way he could verbally express consent or anything like that you know listen if there was they probably would have you know had him in court as a witness and just you know he can make grunts so you could just say you know did you consent to sex with this woman one grunt for yes two grunts for no one would think the defense would have called him as a witness but that didn't happen and I don't know if that's because of his mental state or whatever but you know he didn't testify for, you know anyway she was um, convicted she, she's a you know you see pictures of this woman she looks like a you know, she's not a, doesn't, you know, I, I don't think she's an attractive woman, but this is not a woman who is not able, you know, she could get, you know, she could get, get into a relationship with a normal person if she wanted to. She's actually quite thin. Um, You know, I, I don't find her attractive, but she's a normal looking woman. But instead she decides to pursue a relationship with a vegetable. It's, Why? I mean, what are you doing? And well, she's done now. She's going to jail. What was her sentence? Let's look up her sentence. Uh, d- d- yeah, she'll be in ten to twenty years. Oh, for each count. Sorry, maximum of forty years. Now, jeez, boy, that sounds like a lot. But you know, at the you know, uh, put it the other way. If this was a male teacher with a female student, you know, who had no normal functioning, uh, you know, that probably would have been a a lot more than forty years, so I, I don't even know what to think of this case. It's just the one of the weirdest fucking things I've heard in a long time. So, if you like reading about weird shit? That's weird shit. There's the link. It'll be in the replay notes. Okay, now this is a this is actually a follow up on a story that I did. Uh, it was at least a year ago. Uh, just to catch it back up, there was this ridiculous case where. I think it was a a. Uh, I should, why don't I, I? I I think the kid was seventeen. It was a, a a guy and a girl in high school. They were both in a, you know, they were in a, a relationship. Okay, yeah. So he was seventeen years old at the time. He and his girlfriend were, you know, snapchatting, you know, naked pictures to each other back and forth, and somehow this was found out, and the police, I don't know who called who, somebody called the cops, I think it was, uh, I think it was a parent from the girls' family, you know, saw that she's getting these these naked texts of this guy's penis, and I guess that's still illegal, even though they're both minors, he was 17, she was 15, and I guess that's still illegal, I don't know, so the, what did the police department do? The detective on the case, his name was Edward Abbott. He was a member of the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. So what did he do? You know, they went to his phone. They, I guess they couldn't find anything. So what was his... <laughs> what was his thing? Um, they got a warrant to get this guy to take him to a hospital and inject his penis with a dr- with a drug that would in- force him to have an erection we're talking about a 17-year-old kid here right they want to take him to the to the hospital strap him down inject his penis to give him an erection photograph his genitals and then compare the photos of his genitals with the pictures from his genitals that he had confiscated that the police had confiscated from his girlfriend's phone you can't make this up. Uh, <laughs> the family of this 17-year-old boy had some issues, as you might imagine, with their child being um, kidnapped, strapped down to a bed, and injecting his... P- I, I mean, you you had to think at the time, what the fuck is wrong with this cop? What the, how important is this case, really? You got two teenagers sharing naked pictures of each other, and you want to go fucking, you want to go marathon man on the kid. I mean, Jesus. Now, the 17-year-old team was, was eventually sentenced to a year of probation. Um, and, but then after that, what did this cop do? The cop sued the teen's lawyer for defamation. The lawyer remarked to the media that the warrant to take pornographic pictures of her client to be used against To be used as evidence that he was guilty of creating child pornography was, quote-unquote, crazy. Who does this, Foster said? It's just crazy. That seems like a pretty normal thing to say. But Abbott, the cop, said the comments caused him severe emotional distress. He claimed he was threatened and called a, a pedophile, so he sued the lawyer. Well, these things kind of have a, this kind of crazy behavior is usually indicative of something else going on. It turns out that he was a pedophile. This cop, who is in charge of Internet crimes against children, had inappropriate contact, contact with two young boys, aged 13 and 11, and had uh, child pornography as well. When police went to his house to arrest him, he blew his own brains out. Normally, I say suicide is horrible. You know, any death, you know, any death before it's time, you know, any of that. It's, it's terrible. This time, this, I'm sorry, this was a good result. You've got this guy who's in charge of protecting children with internet sex crime stuff. And this guy is, he's a monster. I mean, he's a monster. Yeah. I'm glad he killed himself. We don't need scum like this on the earth and certainly not in any position of authority, particularly on this issue. So good riddance, uh, buddy. I'm glad you blew your great, your, your brains out. You, you really don't deserve to walk among the living. Um, goodbye. It's a, you know, if there is a hell, it's for people like you. Here's one. Uh, this cop was, this is just like the worst of the worst. This guy, I, I don't think this guy's long for the for the world either because there's a police officer who was just a bona fide rapist. You know, just violent, Repeated sex offender, um, eventually faced 13, I'm sorry, 13, faced 36 counts of of rape, of, uh, I think I got, yeah, just like basically what he would do is he would go and he would round up, you know, prostitutes, drug addicts, you know, the lowest, you, you know, people whose lives really have very little hope. And he would just, you know, he had something on him, whatever it was, prostitution, drugs, shoplifting, whatever it is. And he'd be like, all right, you know, either you're going to jail or you're going to take care of the kid. And he would force them to give him oral sex. He would rape them. He would, it was it was sexual battery, forcible, auto, uh, forcible uh, oral sodomy, rape, you name it. He was charged for it, 36 counts. He was found guilty of 18, 18 counts uh he hasn't been sentenced yet but i'm going to tell you what this guy is going to jail for a long time and there's two things that prisoners in maximum security prisons do not like one cops two rapists uh three child pornography child rapist shit like that they they, well they're probably the what's in the news robin they're probably the top of the list but uh the rest of this guy's life uh however short it is is not going to be pleasant But, um, shit, man. Nasty. Nasty, nasty cop. And, you know, he, you know, if you watch, if you go to that CNN article, you can see they have actual video of him. And as he walks by the jury, he mouth, you know, he says to them, how could you do this? How could you do this? He, I mean, up until the very end, he really thought that, and maybe he had good reason to think it. I don't know. But he really thought, that this privilege that he has from working for the state, from being a law enforcement officer, was going to save him from 36 counts of rape and sodomy and God knows what else. Nope. Sorry, buddy. You're going to jail. And uh, yeah, in the video, he just breaks down and, just, yeah. Mm. I have another article there have been this number really surprised me in the last 6 years there have been 1000 law enforcement officers who have lost their badges for rape sodomy sexual assault sex crimes including the possession of child pornography sexual misconduct such as propositioning citizens or having consensual but prohibited on duty intercourse 1000 cops If you divide that by six, that's 167 cops per year. I don't know. That kind of sounds like a lot. Here's another update from a story that I covered a couple of years ago. This one was, okay, so the cops were in a high-speed chase going after this guy who... I don't know, he did some bad shit. I mean, we're talking about a real-life bad guy. Uh, you know, g- guns, I think there was a shooting, methamphetamine, whatever. Real bad guy, guy that uh, they did catch eventually. Uh, he did go to jail, so that's good. So they're chasing after this guy. You know, I guess they lose him at a certain... I don't know, they had to all, cops from all over going after this guy, high-speed chase, right? So in the vicinity of this high-speed chase was... Uh, this other man, and who had absolutely nothing to do with this, uh, not a criminal, just regular law-abiding citizen. His name is uh, Roger Carlos. He had gone, his wife was opening a new medical practice, like in a strip mall kind of thing. So he was over there, and he was in the parking lot with his camera, taking pictures of his wife's new medical practice, I suppose, just for, I don't know if he's doing it. It doesn't matter. Either your records, uh, want to make a nice post on Facebook, whatever it is, this man was not a criminal at all, just some guy taking some pictures of something that his wife owned. He had done absolutely nothing wrong. When the uh, police were looking for the real bad guy, they swarmed this guy. Now, think about it for a second. They are, they're looking for for a real dangerous criminal, who by the way looks nothing like this guy, but whatever they're looking for, a real dangerous dude who the last you know the last they knew was driving 100 miles an hour down a freeway with a gun, and God knows what else in the car, and they come across this guy who's standing in a parking lot taking pictures of a strip mall. Pretty unlikely for a meth head who's in the middle of a high speed chase to pull over to take some pictures with a fancy camera. Now, as soon as the police started swarming him, he complied with all of their demands, put his hands up, lied on the ground, the whole thing. He did not resist arrest in any way, shape, or form. But the cops just, even though he was down on the ground, not moving, they just beat the living shit out of him. uh his his injuries were extensive um really not in good shape he had to go through multiple back surgeries cuz he was really fucked up and on like his fourth surgery it just didn't go well now he's paralyzed for life for nothing N- no no criminal act nothing just some guy minding his own business, taking pictures. Will now never walk again. Because these cops, they I don't have, what is, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you not thinking? I mean, even as unlikely as it is for somebody in a high-speed chase to pull over to take pictures of a strip mall with a fancy camera. Fine. Maybe it was him. You swarm him, you get him down, you you handcuff him. There's no need for the beating at that point. He's not a threat. Why beat the fuck out of the guy, even if he is the bad guy? Why? You got him, let the system do its job. You're law enforcement, you're not punishment. That's what the courts are for. It's just all of this so easily avoided. And oh, what was the punishment? The um, Police Discipline Board recommended that the officers who were involved in savagely beating this completely innocent man receive a 15-day suspension for the three officers that made this man a cripple. The police chief thought the recommendation was wrong and shortened each of the suspensions to five days. Nobody's talking about firing these fucking psychopaths. But two weeks? No. That's too long. Make it five days. Unbelievable. Uh, hmm. Wow, it's ten forty one already. Let's oh my gosh. You know, I swear, guys, I look for stories. That are just interesting stories. I just look for interesting stories to share with you, and you know I got to try harder. But you know every week I, I just have this folder where all the stories go into, and then on Monday or Tuesday, I look at them, and it's just all bad cop stuff and like two other weird things. And that that's what I that's what I got. I got I got tons more bad cop stuff. I don't I don't have much of anything else. I got the I okay, got okay. I did the marijuana. I did the weird pervert teacher. He did the cop with the boner kid. with the boner kid. Well, here's another one. Just chief of police. Beat the shit out of some guy and try to cover it up. He's going to jail now. Not much more to say about that, but read it if you like. I don't know, that's what I got for you. Try to keep this kind of fun. Um yeah, so let's just go ahead and start after hours.